Looking to step up your Mother's Day flowers? The Home Depot has an idea. Let mom's green thumb do some digging with colorful flowers, pots, and premium soils to bring out the most in her patios, walkways, and gardens. Right now, get Vigoro Potting Soil, just $8.97 for strong, healthy, vibrant plants, indoors and outside. Shop our wide selection online and pick up your order in-store and give mom the gift of a beautiful garden. Get Vigoro Potting Soil, just $8.97 at The Home Depot. How doers get more done. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger, fresh for everyone. What does every grocery store aisle now have in common? Products that come in paper packaging. And we don't just mean the obvious ones like cereal boxes and juice cartons. From beauty products to boxed water, there are more opportunities to go paper-tarian than ever before. So why should you? Because paper comes from a renewable resource and can be recycled up to seven times. Simply put, it's the smart choice for the environment. And it turns out, the easiest choice for you. Learn more at howlifeunfolds.com slash papertarian. Go behind the wheel, under the hood, and beyond with Car Stuff from HowStuffWorks.com. Hi, and welcome to Car Stuff. I'm Scott. My name is Ben, and we are joined, as always, by our super producer, Noel uh, the Tow Man Brown. Uh, super Tug. No, Super Tug Brown. Super Tug, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and that'll make sense as we continue, of course, as you know, ladies and gentlemen, when we use a nickname for Noel, it is an indicator of somewhat what the episode will be about. Well, and, and admiration, of yes. course. Yeah. So we're, what we're talking about today is airport support vehicles. So anything and everything at the airport that uh, is powered, I guess, that is not a flying machine. Yeah, this. Uh, let's get into it this way, Scott. When's the last time you were in an airport? Oh man, uh, recently. I mean, I guess it would be, oh, maybe a month ago. Mm-hmm. And uh, when you sit in the plane or when you sit at the terminal and wait for your flight, yeah. uh, do you ever check out the runway and see what the action's like down there? Oh, I absolutely do. I'm, I'm constantly looking out the window. Like I try to find a seat that's near the window so I can watch what's happening because there's always just so much. It's like a like a beehive of activity all around the terminals. Mm-hmm. So I love watching what's happening nearby. I like watching watching as far as you can see, you know, across an airport. Usually it's very flat and open. Right. So, uh, you know, you're able to have a pretty good view of what's happening on the other side of the field as well, like moving planes between hangars or um, towing giant planes, you know, on runways mm-hmm. that aren't being used for flights uh, know, arriving or, or departure. Tractors fueling up. Yeah, oh, that too, yep. Or in uh, colder climates, I remember loving to watch when they do the de-icing. That's that's really fascinating to watch. And people in the south don't typically get to see that unless they head up to, you know, the the northern climates where, uh, you know, that's something that's a little more common. But it's it's a pretty cool thing to watch. Right. Uh, You know, I've seen the same thing, Scott, whenever I'm at an airport. I watch what appears to be chaos, you know, over time. If If you watch it long enough, 
you can see the rhythm, you can feel the pattern of the way these vehicles move and interact together. You yeah, know? It's, it's, it's mostly orchestrated, I think. I think there's yeah. a little bit of confusion here and there, but uh, that's probably just because of the volume, especially mm-hmm. in something like, um, you know, the Atlanta airport. Like Hart, yeah, Hartsville-Jackson Airport is uh, one of the most busy airports in the world. Yeah, it may be the busiest airport in the world. As yeah. a matter of fact, I think, I think it is. Depending on how you define define it, like civilian, military, commercial. Sure. Yeah. So it, it is true that it's a huge airport, and we'll talk a little bit about the massive amounts of vehicles that you, the airport passenger, or the airplane passenger, rather, may never get to see. But before we continue, there's something very important. We should thank somebody for this idea, because it was not ours. Exactly. Actually, a couple of people, and I'm going to throw in a third just because here. Uh, but the first suggestion came from someone named, uh, named Sanya K. And I hope I'm saying Sanya's name right. It mm-hmm. might be Sanya uh, mm-hmm. K. And this is a Facebook conversation. And uh, Sanya wrote in and said, Hey, guys, have you ever done an episode about airport vehicles? I was recently traveling. I was looking at all these weird-looking vehicles that they have. And they made me think that these vehicles are very specific and were designed specifically for the airports. I don't think they can be used anywhere but the airport. And I think mm-hmm. Sanya's right, exactly yeah, right. Yeah. That's, that's for sure. Uh, another listener wrote in a kind of Facebook message. Uh, the guy's name is, uh, is Dick B. And the note says, I'm enclosing a few shots that I took during my career of working snow at an international airport around New York City. I think we can guess maybe which one that is, <laughs> right? right? Uh, he says, I think this type of equipment would make a good topic for a show. Now, Dick, we're not going to go specifically into just the snow equipment, but we are going to mention that as part of this because uh, that, that that's a huge part of the equipment that they have to keep and maintain there. Oh, yeah. Um, I don't know if we're going to touch on it in depth enough, uh, you know, <laughs> for you in, in this case because, man, Ben, there were so many vehicles as we went through this. Um, mm-hmm. one, one last thing that I want to mention here is another listener that had written in something about a, an aircraft tug. Do you remember maybe who this was? Just just uh, just a, a random guess, possibly. Any guess? Was it Rudy? No, it was not Rudy. It wasn't Rudy. Although he may at some point have mentioned that mm-hmm. along the way. But uh, the most recent example, this came from uh, Clayton. And Clayton oh, yeah. wrote in with okay. his, uh, you know, his kind of maybe one or two line reviews of a bunch of vehicles that a lot of people uh-huh. really liked. And I think he may be providing us with, with a few more of those. Oh, um, great. I kind of been messaging him back and forth about mm-hmm. what's going on with that, and he's still driving. So uh, he may be sending some more. And but, we've been receiving some great reviews from you, ladies and gentlemen, about your own cars. Oh, yeah, we have. Lots, the, of, good, lots of good notes. Good, the bad, and the ugly. Yeah, a little bit of everything, just like we asked for, right? Uh-huh. All right, so you remember Clayton is from the South Texas area, and he drives vehicles for manufacturers kind of testing, right? Mm-hmm. So. One thing that he mentioned in that last note was that he had driven an aircraft tug. Mm-hmm. And the aircraft tug, he says, I don't know the make or the year or anything like that, but it had loads of torque. It was extremely fast off the line for the first five feet, and that was it. Huh. So very, very short review of that one, and I don't think he really put any mileage on it, just maybe riding around on the uh, on the lot there or something. Right. But it sounds like fun. I'd love to try my hand at one of those at some point. These some would point. all be kind of fun to drive. I think you're right. I think I think... Just about everything on this list, I would like to. Uh, I'd like to give a shot. All right, where do we want to start? Well, boy, we can just kind of go to. Well, okay. There's there's motorized and non-motorized. I don't know if we need to cover the non-motorized stuff, but um, eh. Eh, it's things like dollies and carts and things right, like that. Right, so that's right. all understood. That there's equipment, uh, but the powered equipment. That's what we're talking about. Maybe fuel trucks, like the two different types of fuel oh, trucks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so they can be either self-contained or they can be like a hydrant truck. Yeah. Now. 
I gotta admit, I don't know if I've ever seen a hydrant truck in action. Maybe I saw one and didn't realize it though. Yeah. Um, the difference is that self-contained, that's pretty obvious. I mean, it carries its own fuel. You have to, you know, take it somewhere and, and fill the, uh, you fill know. Fill the tank. Fill the tank, of course, yeah. But it has its own filters and pumps and hoses and all that, but can, they can carry it a, a huge amount of fuel. Oh yeah. Like 10, like 10,000 gallons of fuel. Uh, in some cases, if you're talking about a big tanker, airplanes are thirsty beasts, my friend. <laughs> they definitely are. But the the hydrant trucks now the, these I'm not again I'm not sure if I've ever seen one, but there's a like a central pipeline network that runs throughout the airport, and these can hook up to that. And then basically what the truck is is just a pump to facilitate getting it from the pipeline to the plane. Right. Exactly. Yeah. So it's like a movable uh it's pretty much a movable hose yeah almost yeah exactly right yeah the, uh, a pump with two hoses attached maybe that's a better right. way to think of it yeah you know, the, the pump in between um you know i i've been thinking about these fuel trucks and and God, some of these older ones like the the really cool old almost streamlined looking ones mm-hmm. that you see in yeah. a lot of the um uh, the tumblr pages or you know stuff like, like what i've been posting on our facebook page uh some of the really really Unique, cool. Well, they weren't unique at the time, but now they are. Yeah, uh, that they still exist. But some of the really, really interesting designs that um, that have that have come along the way, um, they don't seem to have that anymore. It's a little more squared off. It's a little mm-hmm. more um, utilitarian, industrial looking. Yeah, industrial is a good way to put it, Ben. Right, and it should go without saying, but I'll say it anyway that these gas tankers are integral to the or integral rather to the operation of any airport, especially an airplane, uh, you might see them from your window, depending on where you're seated in the plane as it, as the tanker rolls under the wing, right? But what you'll be more likely to see will be the, uh, the tractors and the tugs. Yeah. Those are the things that, that haul around those little carts that have the baggage and, um, well, haul actually, around the dollies. Yeah. They actually, they haul around way more than that. Sometimes it's just moving people, Sometimes it's moving equipment or, or um, you know, like we said, cargo of some kind. And sometimes they're moving planes. Now, sometimes. Well, yeah, sometimes. If it's a small enough plane, these tugs and tractors can do that. Now, tugs, there's a, there's a different type of tug that we're going to get to a little bit later, um, it, um, a pushback tug that we'll talk about. But mm-hmm. uh, And those are more specialized, I think. But tugs are, definitely have the power to move uh Big, big items. I mean, it's all in how it's towed, too. I mean, there's a there's a trick to all this, and we'll tell you about that along the way, too, mm-hmm. in how these small machines, because that's, I think, a question that a lot of people have, how these small machines, relatively small machines, can move so much weight. They, they haul so much, and it's right. incredible to see what they do. They're just, they're real workhorses. And, um, again, again, all this stuff has to be moved around somehow, and these tugs are, are and tractors are a, a perfect way to do that. Um now, the next thing that I want to mention here is uh, something called a ground power unit, or GPU. Mm-hmm. And this is what supplies electrical power to the aircraft when it's parked on the ground. So, uh, you know, when the the, the, um, the engines aren't spooled up and they aren't producing their own um, electricity on board, right? this is the way that all the um, accessories, all the auxiliary stuff is powered when they're parked. And they need a lot of electricity. They need like 28 volts of direct current, 115 volts, 400 hertz of alternating current. So they need both DC and AC. Yeah, that's right. Now, there's a couple of ways they can do this. Now, we've talked about these These are mobile uh, units that we're, that we're thinking about specifically, but there can also be stationary units that are built into the jetway and you know, can just be plugged directly into the plane. And that's that's a possibility. It's it's probably more common, I would say, to find um, at this point right now, in any ways, at least the ones I've seen, to see a, a GPU that is mobile, you know, that can pull up to a plane. Right. Um, also, th- here's this is an interesting thing to mention, too, is that 
you may think that when they travel, you know, from airport to airport around the world, that there's going to be some problems with the uh, the plugs because. Right. Normal, yeah. like you and I travel, and if we were to go to Ireland or we were to go to um, Africa or wherever, I'm just sure, anywhere in the China, world, wherever. Yeah, that we would not be, we would not expect to be able to just plug any device into the wall because the, uh, you know, there's no standard, standardized version of that plug, right? Right. Um, everybody has their own different, uh, different receptacle, and and well, anyways, you can buy those travel kits that have the adapters. The adapters. Yeah. yeah right. So it's not necessary for planes though because there is an ISO standard. Uh, that makes all these connections for aircraft universal. Right. And this means that wherever you go around the world, these GPUs are going to be able to work with an aircraft. Uh, also, I believe all aircraft are required to have the cable that connects to the GPU aboard the plane. Oh, really? So uh, they, don't, they don't provide the cable at the uh, airport as well? Right. This is, I think, such a great argument for standardization because Scott, you and I have talked, and listeners, uh, you and I have talked over email or Twitter or Facebook about this before, but while it is in a manufacturer's interest at times to have proprietary plugs, you know, on everything from an Apple to uh, an Apple iPhone to a specific sort of key, right? Uh, it's better for the consumer often, and especially in this case, it's safer. Uh, if there is a universal standard. Yeah, I mean, how maddening is that when you have uh, a, char- a phone charger that doesn't work for, you know, the, the phone that your friend has in his or her pocket uh-huh. as well? It's, a, exactly. it just, it, it's frustrating at times when stuff like that happens. Or we can't pass back and forth devices between uh, laptops here in the office. Right. Uh, because, exactly. you know, you know, a Windows machine versus a, a Mac. Right? Uh-huh. So that's always trouble. I'm sure everybody has a similar Angst. Similar story with something, right? something like yeah. that. Yeah, that's right. Okay. What about buses? Now, I've, I've actually been to airports where I've had to hop on a bus, you know, when there's um, um, airport construction or something. They and drove you out to the plane on the runway? Yeah, well, this one was more like uh, between terminals, um, you know, traveling a long distance, and they don't want you having to walk. Um, and this is weird. It was an interna- international flight, and you get off the flight, and we walked a significant distance in the terminal, and then out a door onto a bus, and then the bus took us over to the customs or um, immigration and, you know, for the check-through with yeah. passports and everything. And I was thinking, that as I was looking at this whole setup, you know, you can find flaws with all this stuff. I was thinking, like, well, that's weird. I mean, somebody, anybody could hop on that bus then, but huh. you still had to go through, uh, you know, the, the customs at that point. So, uh, anyways, I've been on a bus a few times at airports. They're used for, for uh, moving large groups of people, you know, to and from, whether it's employees or um, you know, passengers that happen to, you know, need to get to a different terminal or to a, uh, a remote location where a plane is parked, maybe. That, uh-huh. That's pretty rare, I would think, that that would happen, but uh, it might happen. Um, the next one would be container loaders. Yeah, these are fascinating, especially if you have an abiding interest in large machines. So they come in various different versions. They're also known as uh, K-loaders or cargo loaders, and they are used to move containers and pallets into and out of air, airplanes. Pretty simple, right? I gotta say, I like watching these operate. These are really cool. Yeah, if you're a, again, if you're a fan of uh, shows like How Stuff Works or How It's Made, uh, watching this stuff in operation, it just kind of scratches an itch, and you can see it on YouTube. And these are the big 
uh, flat platform trucks that have uh, two sections. There's like a forward and an aft version uh, uh-huh. section, I guess, rather. And they operate independently. Yeah, and and they have huge boxes on on top, which are typically filled with your luggage or uh, could be cargo. You know, if it's a, a cargo plane, uh, but. I guess we're talking about mainly passenger planes here, so uh, it would be this is where your luggage is stored in these boxes, and so there's no need. The to box just... is called unit load devices. Oh, okay, there. Right. Thank you. And uh, instead of just kind of heave hoeing all of your luggage into the uh, the hold beneath the plane, uh, they put it into these boxes and pack it away neatly, and they know which box contains which uh, you know which pieces of luggage and all right. that. It's in all theory, documented. hopefully. In theory, that's right. And I've, <laughs> I've been on flights before where they're trying to find someone's bag and they don't know what box it's in. That's also trouble. And um, it has these powered rollers that help to shift and move these uh, UDLs or, excuse me, ULDs, the unit load devices. Yeah, and they're really cool. So, like, it, imagine it just lifts straight up and it allows it to uh, to, to kind of shuttle that box straight into mm-hmm. the uh, the hold of the plane. And then on the other end, they can remove it in exactly the same way. It's it's really a, a great setup. It's very cool to watch. And some of these in military applications can be airborne loaders, which doesn't mean they can fly. I know how cool that would be. What it means is that once they load stuff, they also load themselves or get loaded onto the plane. It makes sense, right? Because you never know where a military plane is going to be. Like, it could be out in the land. desert somewhere. I know. And uh, there's no way to get that cargo off the, could off be the Diego ship. Garcia or yeah. something. <laughs> could be. All right. So here's one that's not typical in the U.S., but it's found elsewhere in the world. And this is a transporter. Uh, the transporters are kind of a, a cargo platform type vehicle uh, that can load and unload characters, just like we said. But uh, it also transports the cargo. Now, that's the, the difference here is that the other one that we just talked about just loads it. Yeah, exactly. It doesn't really haul it around. So this one can take it long distances. You know, if it has to go across the uh, across the runway to another hangar or, you know, wherever, it just can take it. Uh, and I say long distances. I mean yeah. on the property. It looks like a moving sidewalk that is also a car. Yeah, it's a pretty neat looking device, really. Yeah. I mean, or machine, rather. I'd, uh-huh. I'd kind of like to drive one of those. Hey, you know what? I don't think there's many vehicles here that we're talking about today that I wouldn't want to drive, really. No. The, the responsibility would be great. Well, and there are uh, very few that would be in any way street legal. The buses, but I don't think you could take yeah. – I don't think you and I could take a transporter out. On even on a side road. Yeah, and even even the buses, you know, th- those things are uh, they're very specialized, and I don't even know if they're they're street legal really. Uh, sometimes they use, will use a city bus, but a lot of times, you know, we didn't mention this, but they're built with a uh, a low roof, yeah. so they, they get under wings if they have to. Uh-huh. Uh, they have uh, like wide aisles, and they have low uh, load platforms. So I don't know if that's the right term, but low floors, I guess maybe the low platform, yeah, yes. so that it's easier to enter in and out with heavy amounts of luggage. Exactly, yeah, it's uh, it's critical storage. Too. Tracks. Yeah, like a little different than a city bus. It's got more storage, really. And also, you know, it's it's strange when you think about all the traffic on a roadway we have to, or all the traffic on a rampway, rather, we have to remember that all of these vehicles, many of which are not that fast, are very, very nimbly moving around gigantic planes. Yeah, sometimes planes that can't see them underneath. Mm-hmm. So it's critical, uh, the training part of this whole thing would be fascinating to learn like uh, because it's so it's very regimented and where they can and can't go and the rules of the road are a little bit different there i don't know who has right of way in in certain places or or what but um i would bet the training is pretty intense for something like this at least Mm -hmm. you would hope it would be um and some of these of course you know require a lot more training than others i mean i don't know how hard it would be to drive a a bus versus say driving uh you know some of the, the the more specialized safety equipment that we're going to talk about later. Right. Um, so I find it all very fascinating anyways. I mean, I, I think all of this is really interesting, and there's so many 
different directions that we could go with this at a, for another episode, even if we oh, wanted yeah. to. I think we should take a closer look at the ASU or air start unit. Oh, this is a pretty cool thing too. Ooh. Now this one, this one actually starts the engines of the plane. Right. And because, and it starts them because it has a built in gas turbine engine of its own. And this provides the, uh, the right high amount of high pressure air needed to start the plane's engines. Yes. And I guess this, um, this this ASU is used when the APU, which is on on board the plane, the auxiliary power unit, is not operational. So um, this this air starter blows air in by one or two hoses that are attached to the aircraft, and that's what provides that high pressure that that amount of high pressure uh-huh. that's necessary to get those engines cranking. Exactly, something they can't do on their own, I suppose. So they need that high pressure air, but there's also something else they need, and that would be water. Yeah, exactly right. Of course, we need clean water because uh, you know they they do cooking on board. They make uh, they make coffee and tea and things like that, right? right? So uh, they need clean water or, or potable water, as they say. And uh, the thing about these trucks is that the trucks themselves, you know, they have they well, of course they protect them from pr- protect the water from the elements. You know, it's not like uh, they hook up a garden hose to the uh, the plane or something, <laughs> uh, but it's filtered and stored in the vehicle, so it's it's clean, drinkable water mm-hmm. that, that's carried on board these things. Um, nothing too out of the ordinary of it, you know, about it than any other truck really, I wouldn't think. Uh, probably just a pump system that, uh, that it gets, gets it on board as much as right. they need. And while they're bringing some stuff on board a plane when it lands, they have to take some stuff off. Oh, Ben. This I is, know. uh, oh, this is, well, this is the, uh, the, this might be the one you wouldn't want to drive. Maybe it's not as gross as you think, really. I mean, cause they, you know, they do their, but Chris, you're not going to come into contact with this, but we're talking about the lavatory service vehicles. And of course, that's a dirty job. I get it, but there's, I'm sure, I'm sure that there are safety precautions in place because they're not going to have people come into direct contact with that. Stuff. Right? Yeah, you attach a, a waste hose to the uh, to the plane, and it's you know I think it's on the underbelly near the, the where this connection to the waste tank yeah, is. It's got to be a lot like emptying an RV system or something like that, right? Or a bus. Mm-hmm. It's got to be very, very similar, if not identical, to that. You're a growing business, which means you need every spare hour you can find. That's why the most successful growing businesses are working together in Slack. Slack is where work happens, with all your people, data, and information in one AI-powered place. Start a call instantly in huddles and ditch cumbersome calendar invites. Or build an automation with Workflow Builder to take routine tasks off your plate. No coding required. Grow your business in Slack. Visit slack.com to get started. (sighs) Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. 
The Home Depot wants every mom to have their own outdoor oasis this Mother's Day. Whether that be a new space to relax or a beautiful garden upgrade, at The Home Depot, you can give mom a gift that's as unique as she is with a stylish and comfortable place to entertain or relax for the mom who does it all. And with convenient delivery, you won't have to stress over getting it to her either. Looking to step up your Mother's Day flowers for the mom who's great with gardening? Let mom's green thumb do some digging with colorful flowers, pots, and premium soils to bring Bring out the most in our patios, walkways, and gardens with the Home Depot's Mother's Day Savings Event happening now. Get Vigoro Potting Soil, just $8.97 for strong, healthy, vibrant plants indoors and outside. Start your Mother's Day shopping and saving today by checking out the Home Depot's extensive selection online at homedepot.com or directly in-store near you with convenient pickup and delivery options. See homedepot.com slash delivery for details. The Home Depot, how doers get more done. And they, they don't just empty it. They wash it out, too. After they empty it, it gets refilled with water and a disinfectant. Yeah, the disinfectant that they call the uh, the blue juice, right? The blue juice. Yes, yeah, so everybody knows when you go on a plane, there's that uh, that intensely blue water that they use, and they call that blue juice. And that's disinfectant. It's a cleaner that uh, is intended for, well, it's a lot of things. It keeps uh, um, the facilities clean in a general sense. Yeah. And, uh, and it also helps to neutralize some of whatever's going on in there. Keeps things looking good. Exactly right. And, you know, there should be, we should have another topic about, uh, or another discussion maybe later about uh, blue ice. Uh, If if they, because there's always this this thought that's like an urban legend. Well, it kind of is. Like they're, like they're dumping the, uh, the reservoirs when they're over, uh, over water or something like that. That's not the case. They don't do that. They bring it to the airport and it's, it's handled in a sanitary way. But, there are cases where sometimes the, the system will develop a leak, like that valve right. has a little leak. And that's a problem when you're at 35,000 feet because it's going to freeze and it's going to make an yeah. icicle, which turns into a clump. And then that clump can break free and come down to earth and cause quite a bit of problems. I mean, there, there are cases of, uh, you know, orange-sized globs of what they call blue ice landing, uh, going through a roof of a house. Right. I mean, because it, it falls a long, long way and it's still frozen when it gets here. Um, but blue ice could be a problem, but it's it's very rare when that happens. And it's, when it it's does, always a it's mistake. Not, it's an accident. Yeah, the yeah. pilots have no ability to, you know, they don't have a switch that's like ice bomb. <laughs> this is reminding me of the Dave Matthews Band bus in Chicago, but uh, that's a completely different thing. What happened? Uh, <laughs> do we really need to talk about that? Maybe we can. It was a um, okay. There was an architectural tour that was on the water. You know, a barge. Uh-huh. Um, so people are, you know, having cocktails and dressed up nice and, you know, looking at the uh, at the city from the river as they float through. Uh, the guy that drives the <laughs> this is awful. The guy that drives the Dave Matthews band bus mm-hmm. stopped on the bridge to empty the uh, the tanks in, oh, the, in no. the RV. And a lot of these people, like as he emptied it, the the barge came from the opposite direction under the bridge, and he didn't see it. Oh, terrible! And poured it all over the barge and people and and. Oh, it was just terrible. There were some really awful oh, that's uh, reports. Oh, so gross. Of, uh, people were saying, like, I, I had my, I was looked up and I had my mouth open. Oh, oh. it was just awful. Because you know, they're looking up. They're they're all looking up at the architect. Uh, anyways, okay, it's a bad story. Oh, boy. All right, so let's move on to oh, something a little more pleasant, the catering vehicles. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so, of course, when you are on a plane, one of the things that everyone looks forward to is having some kind of snack. 
whether it's a little bit of cashews or they do pretzels a lot now. <laughs> I got to tell you, Ben, I, I never look forward to having a what? snack Why on the not? plane. I, you know, it sounds good when you're there, but then when you, what you get is the reality of the situation is that it's, it's typically not all that great. I mean, and yeah, the altitude messes with our ability to, um, sense taste. Isn't that weird how that happens yeah. a bit? Yeah, it's strange. Even though it's a pressurized environment and you would think that, uh, it wouldn't do that, but it's, it does. It affects your taste. So, Maybe that airline food is better on the ground than it is in the air, but um, some of my experiences with sandwiches and things like that, mm. or back in the days of you know the hot food service a long, long time ago, yeah, that's that's long gone, by the way. But in most cases, I you'll know there's get, exceptions. Yeah, you'll get in most cases, unless you're paying for a high dollar business class or first first class flight. If you have a hot food option, it's going to be. Uh, Microwave, essentially chilled and reheated, but prepared on the ground. Yeah, and well, yeah, and, he, and then reheated maybe in the air, or kept, right. kept warm for you know in the uh, in the um, kitchen or the galley, I guess. Uh, but yeah, these are these are really actually pretty simple. And the thing is that these are on on the ground; they're very well insulated. I mean, really well insulated. Yeah. And the idea on the ground is that they keep the coo- uh, keep the food cool. Mm-hmm. So they're refrigerated trucks, and then when they get on the plane, I think is when they do heat the stuff in the in the kitchen. Right, and the trailer of the truck where where these uh, carts of food are kept, it, it's so cool because the trailer is on this lift, and it will it will rise to the side of the aircraft, and then a bridge will open up, and it's easy, just easy peasy, right? Just yeah. roll the cart in. It, you know what? This one is uh, is close to as as much fun as watching uh, the other ones. The um, Oh, what was the uh, oh, the container loaders? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. It's very, very similar to watching something like that. It's it's uh, it's really cool how it it lifts up. Uh, is such a I mean, really, really high because some of these planes are really big that they're loading and unloading from. Yeah, and I was surprised that Mercedes Benz builds these. Yeah, well, builds a lot of these. You know, I guess for durability because you'll find that um, you know we, I was going to talk about this later, but uh, we can talk about it now. Most of these vehicles that we're talking about will last decades and decades and decades on these on these on the property. And they don't typically like to get rid of vehicles because, one, it's expensive to buy new vehicles every few right. years. Especially such specialized vehicles. Yeah, so you buy heavy-duty stuff and, and make sure that it's familiar to the ground service crew that uh, that maintains these. So that's another thing is that, you know, if you're constantly changing the type of vehicle that you're getting in, right. the, me- the mechanics aren't going to know, uh, you know, how to fix things as quickly. You know, they'll have to adapt to a new set of vehicles, a new set of uh, um, standards. Um, yeah, like maintenance standards. You're exactly right. So, um, all right, so catering vehicles, that's pretty pretty much done with, I think. And what yeah. about belt loaders? Belt loaders are pretty cool. So what Fun they to watch. Do, yeah, they're used for the narrow aircraft or the narrow body aircraft, uh, and they also will handle the bulk Hold. I don't know why that's so hard for me to say. Uh, of wide body aircraft, uh, if you if you stow baggage without those containers, that's known as bulk loading. So what what these are? The, you probably seen these. You may have seen these. Uh, these are vehicles that look like a truck with a diagonal um, sidewalk or belt, revolving belt attached yeah. to where the passenger side of the of the cab would be. Yeah, that can be raised or lowered at whatever degree mm-hmm. angle you need, right? You know, right. you could have a very gentle angle or what whatnot. Oh but, yeah, that's right. They can um, go flat, but they usually go up and this this helps to bring the luggage down or bring the cargo down rather uh 
in theory, again, minimizing damage. Yeah, I kind of like I kind of like watching this too, but it's also a little bit maddening to watch this happen because that's uh, that's the point where your luggage is really being thrown around the most. I think right uh, on and off of that off of that uh, that belt loader, but. Oh, Ben, I, I, I got I got, I got so many stories about my bag. I was watching my bag being just your bag specifically. Yeah, yeah. From I'm, the plane you saw. Yeah, it? I. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> this was in the in the actual airport though, and it was in Las Vegas, and uh, mm-hmm. there was a, a jam up on the uh, on the carousel, you know, in the baggage claim area, mm-hmm. and for a while there was a um, uh, a stoppage of the belt. You know, it was it was blocked up and. My bag happens to be one that is near the top. It's not the one causing the blockage, but it's a it's a big bag. Like a like if you're going to pack for a week, it's one of those size bags. Yeah, yeah. And it's it's near the top, but it's not at the top. And I can't reach it. You know, I can't get up. I can't climb up onto the belt and get it. But I can see it, and that's mm-hmm. angering as well. You know, it's there for like 20 minutes before right. someone someone finally walks up from below. You know, like wherever this is coming from. The guy has like a big weight belt on, and I'm standing there, and he he grabs my bag. Holds it over his head like uh, like King Kong holding it above his head or something, <laughs> and chucks it down the belt like about ten or twelve feet to my I guess it'd be my right his left onto the belt and like like a um, just like a show of force you know like this and he threw it down and everybody's look like everybody's wide eyed looking at him and I had to be the one that kind of humbly goes over there and picks up my bag so because what am I going to do am I going to yell at the guy I, I mean think I you should well I you know I stood I stared at him in disbelief. And I thought about saying something, but what what good does that do? I, I don't know. I was just I was so mad after I left. Like I probably should have said something, but I didn't. And I, I was just I, it was one of those to, situations speak to where a manager. Yeah, there was something. You know, like I felt bad about it later that I didn't say something, but at the time I thought it was a smart move not to because this guy probably could have crushed me like a tin can. He wouldn't have done it at well, his job. You and probably I are, not. You and I have a different philosophy. If anything, I get in trouble for shooting my mouth off too <laughs> too often. I I held back. And I, I feel like I've told that story on the show before. Maybe not because years it was, ago, I think it was startling when it yeah. happened. I mean, it was that it was that kind of event. I mean, I can I can picture it today. But yeah, that's uh, that's another like King Kong, huh? Well, it was <laughs> it was like that. Yeah, the guy was just like this this big hulking kind of guy, like, and he just just threw it like a long long distance. Um, I don't know. Loud thud. It was, and then you know, three minutes later, the belt fires up because he was off. You know, he he went down below and turned it back on. What a punk. Yeah. All right. That's a, uh, a probably far too long side. Was this at Hartsfield? Uh, no, this was in Vegas. Las oh, Vegas. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I have no influence in Vegas. <laughs> you, have, you have influence here in Hartsfield? Uh, moving on. <laughs> All right. Uh, All right. So, uh, oh, this is a good one. This is my favorite one, probably. Uh, I think For some too. reason. Yeah. I, yeah. It, it's the boarding steps, the ramps, that vehicle. The passenger boarding stairs, you might hear them called the stair car, the aircraft steps, or the air stairs. This is just a mobile means to open the doors and get passengers from the aircraft to the ground without using that slide. And if you're a fan of Arrested Development, you you know this <laughs> intimately by uh, from the Bluth family, right? They had a, uh, a Bluth... Uh, fan, or a Bluth company car, rather, that was a stair car. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Michael was always warning about hop-ons, you remember? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> what did he say? You have to watch out for bridges and hop-ons. He said, you're going to get some hop-ons. Yeah. Like, people are just naturally going to jump on the back of this thing and take a ride around town. But I mean, it was so funny. That was such a funny series. And, uh, and, and them driving that car around, it was just hilarious. It was really, really funny. But th- there's a really good reason for them. And, and the thing is, a lot of these can be adjustable as well. They can, right. they can vary... Um, you know, where the stairs contact the plane because 
they can be anywhere from five to twenty feet high. So that's a huge range. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm I'm assuming that they have you know a big set and a small set you know for something that extreme. And it's not like a fire escape on wheels. You know they have they have options. It could be a very nice stairwell. I was surprised by these options actually. Yeah, I've, I think I've seen some with canopies, but yeah. I have never seen any that have heating or the lighting or the last thing. Right. Right. Red carpet for yeah. VIP passengers. <laughs> yeah, come on. So you got a set of stairs, and then it's got like a, a a pre-rolled piece of red carpet that they can roll out when the stairs are, are attached. So mm-hmm. uh, I've never I've never uh, happened to, to get that kind of treatment at an airport. Ben. <laughs> I'm maybe, sorry. Maybe you have. Hey, dream big. <laughs> you did say you have influence there. Oh yeah, I have influence, but not carpet related. So uh, so a uh, red carpet set of stairs rolls up to your your PJ, which is a private jet. Uh-huh, uh huh. Yeah, I didn't need to say that for you, but you know yeah, for everybody else. For everybody but, uh, else. So that's how you that's how you roll, right? Right. Yeah. That's uh, that's exactly what happens. I my feet have never actually touched the ground at Hartsfeld. <laughs> uh, when I get in, uh, when you know when my um, when my private limo shows up, mm-hmm. right. Uh, then usually what they do is uh, they have one of the, the valets come with a luggage carrier thing, and I just hop on that. Yeah. And then they yeah, push well, me around. You don't want to walk around like a sucker, you know. No, no. That'd be feet. like wearing the same clothes twice. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, ladies and gentlemen, we're totally kidding. Oh, I, my uh, gosh. I, I was a liberal arts major, so I'm pretty much broke. <laughs> <laughs> likewise, my friend, likewise. Uh, but right. this is this is the probably – Although it's not my personal favorite, this is one of the most fascinating from an engineering perspective. Yeah, this next one here. This is uh, these are the pushback tugs or the tractors or pushback tugs and tractors, I should say. Mm-hmm. Kind of falls into the, uh, the the normal tugs that we talked about before, but a little different. Now these are the ones that actually are used to push the aircraft away from the gate when they're ready to leave. And I, I know that they do that pushback thing, and they, they, that's, that's the term they throw around a lot is that, you know, we, we count the time of your flight from pushback to this point. Yeah, or whatever. right, right. So that's the moment that you, uh, you start rolling. And the reason that the planes typically don't, don't uh, use their engines to do this, you know, they use a, a separate vehicle, an auxiliary vehicle, I guess, like this, a, a pushback tug, is because if they all use their engines to, to back up when they, like when they reverse use, thrust. Yeah, yeah, exactly. The reverse thrusters it would stir up a bunch of dust and dirt that is collected near the building and, uh, you know, around the building, around the terminal. And it would uh, then, in turn, get into the engine and cause malfunctions and, you know, of course, additional wear that's not necessary. Um, I, I thought that was kind of interesting. That And plus, besides that, it might cause damage to the building in some cases, you mm-hmm. know, blowing uh, pieces that aren't firmly attached. Because, I mean, the... the uh, the thrust on these things is just incredible. I mean, it'll it'll blow buildings apart if uh, right. if they're placed behind it at full thrust. But um, so, anyways, these pushback tractors or tugs have to be extremely powerful, and they also have to be extremely heavy. Right to the point where they'll even add extra ballast. Yeah, right? you, you want to know how much ballast they had, Ben? I looked this up. Yeah, how much? Well, I looked up I looked up some information on um, on specifically on the ballast, and and I went to a company that that uh, a website of a company that sells. These pushback tugs. That's very specialized equipment, like, yeah. uh, you know, airline equipment. Uh-huh. And they had the spec sheet for a large pushback tug. I mean, it's a big one, a really big one. And you can add on lead ballast kits that bring the vehicle weight from, well, it starts around, these things weigh 65,000 pounds to begin with. Holy smokes. 65,000. You can add ballast that will bring that weight up to 110,000 pounds. So you can add... 45,000 pounds of weight to these in lead, in lead shot or, you know, I guess lead blocks that they load on in pallets. 
and, uh, and that's how that's moved. But can you imagine adding something, or can you imagine driving a vehicle that weighs 110,000 pounds? But then again, you're you're pushing or towing a vehicle that weighs something like you know 400,000 pounds or you know, so whatever. Comparatively, I, I guess so. Yeah, it's a, you know they're very strong. Um, and you may think, like, well, how does all this happen? How does it work this way? You may think it has the, the biggest diesel engine you've ever seen in your in your life, uh, but that's not necessarily the case. They just have really, really uh, um, a high amount of torque, and the gearing is so low that, uh, that they're more for, uh, of course, pulling and pushing than they are for speed. Right. It makes perfect sense to anybody who has tried to, like, pull a stump out of the ground using a vehicle. You want a lot of low-end torque. You don't want, mm-hmm. you know, the, the, the horsepower number doesn't mean a whole lot. You want low-end torque and grip, and that's what the weight is for. It's so that the vehicle remains firmly planted on the ground when it's pushing or pulling uh, this enormous weight. You know, another cool thing about these these guys is that the driver's cabin, when you're reversing, the driver's cabin can actually raise and then when you're moving forward, it can lower to fit under aircraft. Oh, that is really cool. That would be, that'd be fun to – this would be fun to drive, but like I said, the, the responsibility of something like this would be incredible. Yeah. And I don't know if you've ever heard of this or not, but there's something called a super tug. And that's where uh, that's where I got Noel's nickname earlier. Ah. Um, now, super tugs, if you want to, you can go to check out an article on uh, – it's on the Jalopnik site. It's a, a site that they call uh, the, the Flight Club, which I thought was clever. Huh. Uh, Flight Club. And a guy that, uh, you know, he's, he's intimately involved with these vehicles. He's, uh, somebody who, who works in an airport or, or, uh, you know, on these, on this equipment in some way. I don't, I never got the connection here of exactly, uh, who this person is, but his name is Paul Thompson. And he wrote an article in November of 2014 about these super tugs and how impressive they are. Um, you know, the, as far as pushback vehicles. Yeah. And the super tugs, the way that they're different from a regular tug, um, is that, the regular tugs are, are very slow. You know, they're very strong, mm-hmm. but they're very slow and uh, um, a little more um, not not as adept at moving the big, big planes. The super tugs are a lot faster and extremely strong. They can move the biggest of the biggest planes. Uh, so they can push around, you know, 747s or Airbus A380s. Um, it's just it's it, in the way that they operate. This is maybe the most impressive thing. I had never seen one of these in action before, but there's a video you can go to YouTube and search this too if you want, but um, they instead of you know attaching to the uh, the nose gear of the plane and pushing or pulling that way, right? Super tugs will uh, kind of surround the the nose gear, you know, the front the front wheel. Mm-hmm. Um, it, the device uh, kind of almost reminds me of the way a, um, a a repo truck would pick up a car or something, you know, with an yeah. arm that that moves, and then it will lift the nose of the plane. And then drive it that way. So you're not, it's not really like a trailer attachment at that point. It's, it's actually almost part of it, really. It's towing. It's towing, but it, it lifts the front end of a, uh, you know, a 747 or an Airbus A380. Yeah, you gotta check out the actual mechanism because it, I think you described it really well. Uh, so you'll see that there is a space in the super tug toward the rear of the vehicle, right? Mm-hmm. And they position, they back into, that um, those front wheels of the plane and a little bar comes out that surrounds the other side, closes the opening, and it looks like they can't lift that entire plane, but 
uh, as as people in the 50s would say, by gum they have. Yeah, it's know? pretty incredible. And, of course, it's all hydraulic, you know, so that's how that works. But, uh, you know, one way to, to describe these vehicles, and I thought this was a pretty clever way to say it, and it, they do look really cool, these Super Tugs do. A kind of almost a, a bit of a hot rod look to them in, in a way. Because they're so low slung. Yeah, they are. They're real real low and wide, and they've got, you know, just all these extra attachments. But they describe it as the unholy matrimony of a Hummer and a Batmobile mm-hmm. and with the strength and, and weight ratio of an ant. Uh, which says a lot. I mean, they're, they're super, super strong. It, it is kind of strange to see this little V, ve- I mean, relatively little vehicle. It's big when you're standing next to it, but it's relatively little compared to those giant planes. And, oh, yeah. and the thing is, they can haul them across an airport property fast. They can get them to, you know, a distant hangar or wherever. I've seen them really, really moving fast. Or a stand, which is the name for the remote parking spaces. Yes, exactly. Yeah. So they can take them long distances quickly. And that's what, uh, that's what their main benefit is, but incredibly strong. Probably one of the coolest things on the lot, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a couple others that maybe are close, but but for strength and, uh, and utility, that is, that's the one. You're a growing business, which means you need every spare hour you can find. That's why the most successful growing businesses are working together in Slack. Slack is where work happens, with all your people, data, and information in one AI-powered place. Start a call instantly in huddles and ditch cumbersome calendar invites. Or build an automation with Workflow Builder to take routine tasks off your plate. No coding required. Grow your business in Slack. Visit slack.com to get started. (sighs) Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. The Home Depot wants every mom to have their own outdoor oasis this Mother's Day. Whether that be a new space to relax or a beautiful garden upgrade, at The Home Depot, you can give mom a gift that's as unique as she is with a stylish and comfortable place to entertain or relax for the mom who does it all. And with convenient delivery, you won't have to stress over getting it to her either. Looking to step up your Mother's Day flowers for the mom who's great with gardening? Let mom's green thumb do some digging with colorful flowers, pots, and premium soils to Bring out the most in our patios, walkways, and gardens with the Home Depot's Mother's Day Savings Event happening now. Get Vigoro Potting Soil, just $8.97 for strong, healthy, vibrant plants indoors and outside. Start your Mother's Day shopping and saving today by checking out the Home Depot's extensive selection online at homedepot.com or directly in-store near you with convenient pickup and delivery options. See homedepot.com slash delivery for details. The Home Depot, how doers get more done. Well, we can't go until we talk about de-icing vehicles. De-icing, of course. Yeah, that's uh, now they have big booms, kind of like what you see on a cherry picker or something uh-huh. like that, and they yeah. just spray the de-icing fluid all over the body of the plane, so that you know when they're parked or when they're ready for takeoff or waiting for takeoff, 
uh, ice doesn't develop on, you know, some of the movable surfaces because that would cause a lot of trouble. Mm-hmm. I've been on a plane before where they were de-icing in Michigan, and I'm sitting near the front of the plane, and it's right where the door is. And one of the seals was bad, and the de-icing fluid was coming into the plane. Holy smokes. And I remember it had a color to it. I don't know if it was purple or blue. I don't remember, but it was pouring into the, the thing. And I, I right away alerted the, uh, the, the, the um, oh, I'm going to say stewardess, but it's not the that. The flight attendant. Flight attendant. That's it. I got the old school version of that. <laughs> um, I take a lot of heat for that at home, by the way. Do you really? I say stewardess. I say waitress. I know I shouldn't, but I do. I try to um, catch myself, but what it ends up, you know, what will end up happening is I'll say, Oh, maybe we should ask our wet server. Yeah, yep. You know, to avoid I, the uh, the argument. It's not well. It's not necessarily even some argument for tradition or something. I think it's just I'm a lazy speaker and I pick up old, <laughs> you know, old habits. Yeah, I guess it's just habit in in my my case because I'm just old enough that they were still stewards and stewardesses. Yeah, exactly. And you know what? I I flagged when one I down. Oh yeah, yeah. You're right. When you're a kid, yeah. Yeah. Because uh, I think for a while it's been kind of the the, uh, the norm is to switch over to the uh, more PC it. terms, right? Yeah, and I think that the, there is a position called the steward who would be the um, head of the flight attendants. I think you're right. But I don't know if that's the case anymore. I wonder if that's still true. Hmm. Maybe not. Anyways. Anyway. All right, so I flagged one. I flagged somebody down right away, and they uh, they actually came out and took a look at the seal or fixed whatever it was. It was uh, – that was kind of scary to see that stuff pouring through there like that. I can't imagine what would happen if you're in flight and that's, you know, it'd be like having a window crack the whole way there. That's terrifying, yeah. especially if you get into a high altitude area. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's really rushing in there. So that's kind of bad. But anyway, that's a cool thing. Uh, it's a cool thing to watch. If you can ever, ever see mm-hmm. it happening, you know, from outside the plane, it's really interesting. And there's one more to talk about. Speaking of disasters, things yeah. going wrong. Yeah. Who do you call? When it hits the fan, the firefighters, the airline rescue and fire or aircraft rescue and firefighting equipment, I guess mm-hmm. those guys. And of course, they have special training, right? Firefighting training, and it's not like your your typical training, really, because mm-hmm. it's completely different when you're trying to evacuate people quickly off of a, uh, a big metal tube. Yeah, it's just a, a whole different set of circumstances surrounding everything around the airport. And one thing that I think about the these uh, that I that I can't let pass. What's that? Is that I feel like every time I see one of these vehicles, they, they look like something out of a sci-fi movie. They look <laughs> they look so unusual, so different from a standard uh, fire engine that it's, it's remarkable. I mean, they really do look like something completely futuristic, and it's really cool to see it. Yeah, with that with the big rounded uh, the big rounded cabs, the mm-hmm. front of the trucks. Yeah, high visibility, and they're very low. They're very squat uh-huh. vehicles, like everything has to be to get again under wings right. or wherever they need to be. Uh, but man, those, they, those are some of the newer models because the, they're still very boxy ones from the seventies. Oh, sure. Yeah. And I mean, even the boxy ones though, I mean, I, I, I still like the look of those even. Those are different from the ones that were on the road in the seventies. They're, they're, they're proportionally different. You know, mm-hmm. they're more upright here on the, on the streets and at the airport. It's like they're, they're squished down. It's almost like someone put their hand on top and just pushed down until they got this shape. And these are perhaps, uh, the most vital of all airport support vehicles because just consider what happens if a fire breaks out on an aircraft and it's near fuel and it's also near what a dozen other aircraft easily. Exactly. And there's so many people on board. And again, there's only a couple of exits really. I mean, it's, it's, it's really important that they are quick and extremely skilled at what they do. You see a lot of times where they will come out and uh, immediately, cover the whole thing in foam mm-hmm. and people are evacuating in foam or whatever it's a it's it's really it's it's a different 
again, it's just it's all different out there on, on the on the runway versus here in the city, maybe or you it's know, the country. Yeah, yeah, it really is. The last thing that I want to mention, Ben, I know you said that was the last one, but there's one more quick thing that I'd like to mention here, and we had mentioned it early on in the show. Oh, what is it? I, I, the the item that we're not going to be able to give a lot of attention to, and that was the snow removal equipment that uh, that uh, mm-hmm. our listener Dick B wanted to hear about. Yeah, yeah, and. You know, I, I know that these probably deserve a full episode of their own because it really is an important part of this whole thing in the, uh, in the certain climates, I guess. Sure. Here yeah. in Atlanta, we occasionally have use for snow equipment, and that's why we have very little snow equipment here is because it's just not needed. This year, in fact, we had no snow days. Sometimes we have three or four snow days, and that's about it. Yeah. Uh, but up in the north, you know, that can go on for months and months and months, and, you know, all around the world, of course. And some places, if they have a lot of, of snow every year, they're going to have, you know, 100 or more pieces of snow removal equipment on hand, and they're going to have extremely heavy-duty stuff, too. I mean, like, um, you know, just the, the biggest snow removal machines you can imagine, all different types. You know, there's going right. to be types with plows. There are going to be some with uh, with brushes. There are going to be some that are snow blower-type equipment, you know, that will actually remove the snow, some that are just pushing the snow. Yeah. And one thing that I really found interesting about this is that I didn't know this, Ben, until I read it uh, just yesterday. Airports have plows that have polyurethane blades instead of metal blades. Huh. And that is so that they don't damage the surface of the runway when they're doing their job. Because on the, on the highway, I mean, that, that's passable. It's, you know, for longevity, so they last longer. Right. But it also tears up the road, you know, pretty bad. I imagine so, That yeah. cannot happen on an airport runway. I mean, it's mm-hmm. got to be treated very gently. they got to, you know, you know, cover every situation you know make sure that it's not going to uh not going to cause any any unnecessary stress on the surface and and those polyurethane blades do that they they help with it um but there's all kinds of stuff that they do ahead of time too that we probably don't even see they use liquid sprayers to lay down um a brine solution so that you know they kind of pre-treat the the Uh ground so it won't freeze it makes it easier later um some places have spinning brush trucks you know um or um uh, it kind of depends on the type of snow too. Uh, the spinning brush type trucks work better if you have a a light, um, I guess, light, airy, dry kind of snow. Uh-huh. But if you get lots of the heavy, wet snow, like think about you know, uh, lake effect snow that comes off of uh, you know, over in like Buffalo, New York, or something, mm-hmm. they're going to have the real heavy plows because they get real heavy, wet snow that can't be just brushed away. I see. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. So that's all very specialized as well, and. Uh, it takes a long time and a lot of coordination. I'm sure that uh, Dick could tell us all about this, but so much coordination is, is needed for this because they've got to shut down certain lanes of the airport at certain times, and then just minutes later they have to shut it down again to to you know reapply or or uh, you know plow again or whatever. Mm-hmm. It's just it's this continual cycle of of, um, of planning and coordination that has to go on. So I have a lot of respect for the people that do that type of work. It never stops. It, it's just an incredible. Um, you know, orchestration of events that has to happen to make this to make it really work in a in a smart way, mm-hmm. and to keep everybody safe too. Yeah, I completely agree. So all these things, they all have their own purpose, and they all seem like they're to be really fun to drive. Maybe with a couple of exceptions, but um, I, I just uh, I was I was actually pretty impressed with the amount and and what these vehicles do. Mm-hmm. I, I, I had no idea that there were quite so many vehicles that were required on an airport, and then when you think. Well, when you're looking out the window, you might see a hundred vehicles, you know, at any given point darting here and oh, you know, yeah. to and fro. Um, how many are really there? How many are on the property? I'd like to hear some more about the snow removal vehicles from Dick uh, himself. So, Dick, if you're listening, uh, drop us a line. Let us know what the average day was like. You know, when does it start? How long is the shift? What vehicles do you run into the most? And are there 
or don't let me get you in trouble, man, but you know how sometimes there will be like stereotypes of different people's jobs, you know, in, in corporate America, they might, people might say like, oh, here's the HR guy or the PR person or whatever. Is there anything like that among airport support vehicles? Hmm. Uh, because I had heard the phrase before. I was talking uh, to a friend of mine who works in the airline industry, and she used the phrase ramp rats. And I was like, what is a ramp rat? And I said, that doesn't sound like it's a very positive phrase. No, no, no. it doesn't. And I'm still not sure what it is, but I, w- I would like to hear it. And, of course, I'm asking what that phrase means. I get the sense that it's derogatory. <laughs> it sure does sound that way, doesn't it? It doesn't sound like a. Um, it doesn't sound like high praise. It doesn't sound like something a group would call themselves either. It sounds like it's what, what <laughs> other people would refer to someone else as, right? And you know, Dixon had a bunch of these photos too. He must have sent in half a dozen or more photos of the equipment. He, these are photos that he took of the equipment that he used. Really, really impressive. Some huge, huge snow plows and, and snow blowing equipment. Just a. Uh, uh, it's fascinating stuff, and really, all these vehicles. I mean, the super tugs are, are interesting, of course, for because because of what they are. They're so right. incredible, just an amazing machine. Just from an engineering uh, but, perspective, but everything really has its own place again. And and uh, again, every one of them has their own um, trait or characteristic that makes mm-hmm. them unique or or interesting in some way. So I hope uh, you know. Maybe as you're following along here, you were looking them up online to see what we were talking about. Yeah. I hope you were, because that helps a lot. We try to describe what we can, but, you know, theater of the mind, we do what we, we can, you know, as maybe, much as we can. Maybe you're listening to this as you're working, in which case, get back on the radio, man. <laughs> if you're if you're on if you're driving on the ramp right now, <laughs> good point. Yeah, that's right. Don't don't be too distracted by what we're saying. And uh, also, um, you know, if there's some that we forgot, I mean, I'd love to hear about you know additional vehicles that are out there. You know, we're oh, talking totally. about powered equipment that we're, that we're just neglecting because I know there's others that uh, that, that didn't make the list. Mm-hmm. Um, so so let's hear uh, some of those too from the listeners. Yeah, and you can tell us about those on Twitter and on Facebook, where we are Car Stuff HSW at both. You can also check out every episode we have ever done, and oh, brother, there's a lot. We're carstuffshow.com, and if you want to take a page from Dick's book and email us directly, uh, we'd love to hear from you. Our address is carstuff at howstuffworks.com. For more on this and thousands of other topics, visit howstuffworks.com. Let us know what you think. Send an email to podcast at howstuffworks.com. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done. You've probably heard a lot about electrified vehicles lately. Well, Toyota has electrified options for every lifestyle. We've got hybrids, no plug needed. But we also have plug-in hybrids, if that's your thing. (laughs) You can even go 100% electric in the Toyota BZ4X. With so many options for reducing carbon emissions, Toyota is electrified, diversified. Learn more about our Beyond Zero vision for the future at toyota.com slash Zero. Viking, committed to exploring the world in comfort. 
Journey through the heart of Europe on an elegant Viking longship with thoughtful service, cultural enrichment, and all-inclusive fares. Discover more at viking.com.